the four o'clock football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The four o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Yes, it's the Football Frenzy live at Silver 7s here on a Thursday. We continue our conversation with Mark McMillan, our football insider, and his good buddy Chris Miller, who played quarterback in the NFL with the Falcons and the Rams and the Broncos. So we got a great draft class here. Clearly, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one pick. Chris, I got to get from you your opinion on that next group. Who do you like? Justin Fields and Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. I think Urban Meyer, you know, obviously he's he's aligning himself with that Jacksonville job to, to take Trevor Lawrence. I think that's going to be a great marriage. I think Trevor will be a great pro. I think there's a few things he can refine in his game. Zach Wilson's been really impressive to me because he was driving eight or ten hours to California to train with John Beck, a former BYU quarterback. And oh, okay. he put in an extraordinary amount of time during the offseason uh, just making a body trans- transformation. And so – you know, he might be the second guy. I see him as maybe a Steve Youngish, Joe Montana-ish athletic guy, very bright, very cerebral, has a good faith background, probably good good character traits, you know, making good decisions and such. I know the guy at North Dakota State's big guy, athletic. I really like Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones, you know, Tom Brady ran a 5-2 whatever when he came right. out in the combine, and Mac Jones isn't a speedster. Right. That son of a gun will wear you out from the pocket around yeah. <laughs> well enough. And then uh, Justin Fields, man, I had a lot of respect from Justin uh, from the bowl games. And he played in those two games and he balled. I mean, he flat balled and then he hurt his back. He took that heckacious hit to his kidneys or lower back area. And then he teed it up the next week and balled and played, played uh, or in the second half played injured. Yeah. A lot of respect for him too. Chris, I wanted to ask you about, Second chance, guys. Like you came into the league, and you, you know you talked about the Falcons were just not very good. They weren't run well. You didn't win a lot early on, and that can kill a guy's confidence. I think for some reason, it seems to me around the NFL, the second chance guys are very overlooked. Like I'm, I'm struggling to understand why uh, no one made a run at Jameis Winston. I, I think the the Saints have pulled off a coup by keeping him. Um, does no one want Sam Darnold? That one's weird. He's, you know, it's like he's barely played. And he, I mean, the organization's so bad around him. And the other guy I'm yeah. kind of intrigued by because he's, he's good when they're behind, but he gets them behind is Drew Locke. So with those three guys, like one of them I think is going to be a good second-chance quarterback. We look at quarterbacks over, you know, over the course of the season, and I know a lot of people talked about the Kaepernick and stuff like that, but Jameis Winston, if he's put in the right situation with a good coach, and I think in New Orleans will be a good situation – uh, with the staff that they have in place to help him uh, develop, continue to develop as a quarterback, I just think he gets a bad deal. And, you know, he's better than a lot of these quarterbacks that suiting up on Sunday. Uh, yeah. you know, people just saw that season that he had in Tampa Bay and, you know, throwing all those interceptions. But, you know, as a coach, you can fix things like that. Um, yeah. You can put him in positions to uh, be a better quarterback, to make better decisions. And for people to just think like, oh, that's the same guy that was in Tampa that threw for a record interceptions. It's almost like they got pushed, you know, they pushed him to the back. I agree. I think I think part of it, too, is Jameis's uh, maturity level. Has he matured enough where a team will follow him? Uh, Can he lead a team? Can he be that guy? And I think Sean Payton would be the perfect mentor for him. And especially him being around Drew Brees for a year or two, I think, was probably a tremendous exposure, you know, for him of seeing the consummate pro 
uh, prepare and work and do all those things. So I think I think you're right. I think between Taysom Hill and and, and uh, Jameis Winston, I think it'll be a great competition there in New Orleans to replace Drew. I, I like Sam Darnold. I think he's a competitive dude. He's a big guy. He's got a good arm. His throwing motion's a little bit long for me. He kind of has a big long circular type motion, but he's competitive. And, and you're right. I don't care who you are. You know, you got to have dudes around you. When Steve Young was in Tampa Bay, they went like one in 15 and he didn't have great talent. Around him, right? And the organization wasn't great. And then Troy Aikman's rookie year, I think they're one in 15 in Dallas. So, and then they got all those draft picks and put all those dudes around him. Next thing you know, he wins three Super Bowls. So you got to have bullets in your gun in the national football league as we, we all know. And if you don't, I don't care who you are at quarterback, you can't be successful. So, and then, uh, who was the other one you said? You said Sam. It, it, it was Drew Locke, and Drew Locke has played oh, yeah. a lot. You know, he's played a lot in his first couple of years. He makes a lot of mistakes, but I still think there's upside. Yeah, they're building that roster around him too. You know, I think that the receivers and the talent they've had—they've had some injuries. You know, they traded the one uh, talented wideout to the Saints. Actually, I'm, putting, I'm drawing a blank on his name, number ten. But uh, he yeah, Manuel Manuel Sanders. Yeah, there you go, Emmanuel. And then. Uh, then 88 got out of there, who'd been there for quite a while. Again, I'm drawing a blank on his name. You probably fill me in. He went somewhere, and then I think he got released. They got some younger younger tight ends. They got Noah Fant and some younger wideouts. Um, so they're kind of growing as a group, I think. Uh, and defensively, you know, Von Miller got hurt early in the year. So they, they need to be stout on defense, be able to run the ball well, and that's kind of the mentality of that head coach. And then I think Drew Locke can be successful. He's got some swag about him. I think the guys like him. I think he's got, you know, the good intangibles and good good skill set. I think he can be successful there, but they need more pieces around him. That's my man, Chris Miller, man. So I appreciate you being on the show. Definitely, you know, we'll probably get you back on, you know, after the draft uh, with all these top quarterbacks going on as you get your perspective on it and, and, and see how that pans out. Sounds good. When I get through AZ, I'll definitely hit you guys up, man. We can get out and play some golf. I'd love to hang out with you boys. There you go. Chris Miller, former Atlanta Falcon, played with the Rams. Uh, had concussion issues, actually sat out three years, came back with the Broncos for yeah. one final go-around. And uh, he's coaching at actually a powerhouse high school. West Lynn is uh, pretty yeah. legendary in Oregon. I think his first, he just came back to the school, but his first run, uh, there were some state championships. He we went like 60 and 16, and that's a, a big feeder for athletes in all sports. Uh, Mark, you got a busy week coming up, uh, next couple Ooh. weeks actually. First of all, yeah. uh, what, about three weeks from now, or two weeks from now, you're going to be involved in a uh, local golf tournament? What's going on there? Yeah, man, I'm going to be playing in the uh, the Paiute MGM Grand Golf Resort Championship. Can you believe that? A pro-am golf event with Mark McMillan, man. That, that's going to be crazy. <laughs> so, you know, people can uh, bid on it. We'll have a link uh, that I'll send out to big people that they can bid on and play with me. Uh, so we're going to be uh, and get a chance to play with a Corny Ferry Tour Pro. That'll be Wednesday, April 14th. Can you imagine that? And I'm sitting here thinking I got game and I got to go play against a pro. He's probably going to be like, dude, go get your ball out of the water. <laughs> Dig your ball out of the sand. So man, I'm, I'm excited about this and we're going to uh, raise as much money as we can. So it's going to be a great uh, value. I know Derek Carr is going to be one of the celebrities that's going to be playing as well. April 14th, man, uh, at the MGM Resorts Championship is going to be the Paiute Pro-Am. Uh, people can bid on playing with me and a corny pro. Uh, we'll start it off at $1,500. Um, you know, it's in the, you know, in, the, even the, in the gifting bag, it's worth $500. So it's almost nice. like you're playing a great course and you get $500 worth of gear. So you know, there will be prizes out there as well. I'm sure I'll make a couple of donations uh, with a couple of beverages, a couple of bottles as well. 
Uh, so I, I'm excited about that, man. Mark McMillan is with us. Uh, you ran out of product there for uh, Chris to spiff him. Yeah, yeah. Send, him the, send him the wine anyway and maybe the bourbon. If he doesn't drink it, uh, I'm sure someone in his family or friends will drink it. All courtesy of weed all, all courtesy of weed sellers, right? Yeah, weed sellers, man. Make sure you check them out at weedsellers.com. Um, you know, they're going to they're the sponsor of my Grilla McMillan segment here. And make sure you tune in tomorrow. I'll be on Instagram live at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time cooking steak or chicken. I don't know yet from my guys from Happy to Meet You. So they sent me another little care package. So I don't know what exactly I'm going to be putting on the grill. But, uh, you know, I just teamed up with guys out in Phoenix it's called Earn Your Booze. You got to check that out, man. Busy guy. Busy guy. I'm, use, a, busy, you I'm can... a busy guy. So make sure you guys tune in. Instagram Live, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Grilling McMillan will be on the grill. And I'm going to pose a question on Twitter, Steve. What should I put on the grill for the people? There he is, Mark McMillan, and a good conversation with Chris Miller. Bunch of teams in the top ten looking for a new quarterback. One of the teams that's not in the top ten anymore, they were. The Dolphins traded out. We'll talk about why the Dolphins moved down and what they're looking for with Dolphins expert Alex Dono as we continue with our Path to the Draft features for the 2021 Draft. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune up today by calling 577-2600. It's time for Cofield and Company's Path to the Draft. Presented by Weed Sellers. Weedsellers.com. That's weed, C-E-L-L-A-R-S dot com. Is this the correct choice? You know I like the original. I don't love the remix. I feel like I could have done this with the auto-tune. A little South Beachy, I guess. For all I know, this could be Alex Dono, our Miami expert. Doing the auto tune version. I don't think it was. Alex, was this you? Uh, I think it was T Pain, but I, I, I almost think I could do better. I, think so <laughs> too. I, I feel honored that you busted out the T Pain version of the Dolphin Fight song oh, for me. How man. you guys doing? I love the original. It's a knockoff of the Oilers song. The you know, Oilers went bye bye. Now the Dolphins would be like, "What are you talking? About? Like we stole the Oilers song? It was ours." Uh, I don't know. Kids these days are our, our young producer. Trying to get all hip on us, right? Trying to do it. Uh, we're doing good. How you doing, man? Because uh, I love what you're doing with Onside Radio. How you guys doing so far with uh, you know the online venture? And you guys got all these uh, great local hosts uh, building a great lineup. Yeah, we're really having a good time, and and, and we're doing so much different stuff. As far as uh, I mean, uh, our, our audio is available in a number of different streaming services. About three weeks ago. We started doing video streams as well. Not, not that I'm much to look at, but we, we do do video streams on YouTube and on Twitch. And the fun stuff about that is that there's like a, the live chat on there is fun because people can chat with each other. They can chat with me. So, yeah, we're having a good time at Onside. And it's a, it's a busy time of year in South Florida with everything going on down here. Alex Dono's with us. He's been covering the Miami scene forever. He also he loves the fight game. Before we get to our path to the draft dolphin stuff, I want to ask you about the uh, biggest star in all of combat sports, Jake Paul. Uh, what do you think about this Jake Paul fight against Ben Askren? <laughs> I mean, are you with me? Like, Ben Askren's good. Ben, you got to win this fight, dude. you got to extinguish this nonsense. Yeah, uh, you, you have to. And, and listen, obviously, you know, Ben Askren's MMA career was not highlighted by his striking. But still, if you can't outstrike a freaking YouTuber, then you have serious problems. So he, he, even a guy who doesn't really box when he's fighting – should still be able to handily 
you know, kick Jake Paul's butt. And I'm rooting for him because, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan or a subscriber of Jake Paul's stream. But from what I've seen of the guy, he's definitely a character, but he seems a little bit annoying. So I wouldn't mind watching Ben Askren knock him out. I'm completely with you on all of that. I've known Ben forever, and I, I really hope he wins because it, it would be embarrassing if he doesn't for the whole sport. I'll say this, though. He, Paul does train. Like, he does actually go to work and work hard, so I'll give him that. And he really did make me laugh the other day when they asked if he was going to fight Conor McGregor, and he said Conor needs to win something first. He hasn't won in a while. He needs to show me something. That's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you're right. Like, I, uh, from the little, and, and I watched uh, Paul when, uh, you know, for what it's worth, when he knocked out Nate Robinson. Not that that was some great benchmark, <laughs> but, like, he, he, he seems to know what he's doing. And, like, I've seen videos. I've seen videos of him training, so he's not a full-time prize fighter, but it's not like this is just some guy off the street. Like, he does box quite a bit. So we, we, we can talk about this stuff all day, but we did uh, have you on to talk about Dolphins and their potential draft. I'll ask the first question. Would the Dolphins be thrilled if just quarterbacks go top five? Five quarterbacks off the board, let's go. Yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, if anybody had any doubt that, you know, that they, you know, weren't going to draft the quarterback, uh, you know, when they had the third pick, obviously trading down from three, you know, to number six, he had actually traded down to 12 and then back up to six, but trading down three spots, they are obviously not in the quarterback market. And I think the reason why uh, their general manager, Chris Greer, was excited to pull off this series of trades is he's pretty confident that. The same players that they were targeting at number three are maybe all of them, or at least most of them, will still be available at number six because uh, you know it's virtually a foregone conclusion. I would say it's a hundred percent that the top three picks are going to be quarterbacks, and then you know uh, Atlanta is a possibility a quarterback as well. Obviously, Cincinnati won't be drafting a quarterback, so you, you could have you know four uh, quarterbacks off the board within the uh, the top four picks, and then I, I would imagine Cincinnati is probably going to draft Penny Sewell, although I know there is some chatter about Jamar Chase, and that, that would make some sense, of course, because he, uh, he played with Joe Burrow. So I think at worst, you know, there's going to be one wide receiver off the board at that point, and then the Dolphins will have a number of skill position players to choose from. I don't know. I saw Joe Burrow at the UFC event the other day. He was walking in, and uh, I didn't think he was walking that good, so I'm going to say they, they might take a quarterback. Uh, no, obviously kidding. They need to protect him. I think Sewell is the guy. Uh, if it's if it's Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts available, I mean, I think that's the choice, right? Yeah, that, that, that's the big debate. Um, you know, I, certain Dolphins fans will say, well, hey, you should get Chase because, you know, you need a wide receiver maybe more than you need a tight end because they have a good pass-catching tight end, a really good one in Mike Gesicki. But... Guys, to this one, I just default to which guy I think is the more generational player. And I am really, really bullish on Kyle Pitts, uh, the tight end out of Florida. Uh, you know, for one thing, in today's NFL, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with having two excellent and, in Pitts' case, uh, elite pass-catching tight ends on the roster. I think they can play together. And then there's also a factor uh, with, with Mike Gesicki that, you know, he's a year away from hitting free agency, and, and if the market gets really bloated a year from now, the Dolphins may decide, hey, like we don't mind letting Kasicki walk, and we have Kyle Pitts, who I believe is going to be better. So I think they could play together, or Pitts could replace Kasicki in a year. That's my guy. Um, you know, I think that the, the, the magic of the spot that the Dolphins are in is that they're going to have the choice of 
three or four receivers slash tight ends that they, they really believe can help. Uh, you know, obviously with the Tua Tungo Vailoa factor, you know, a couple of his teammates, uh, former teammates, are going to be available in the form of Jalen Waddle and, and Devontae Smith. So they, they might decide one of those guys is the answer. And obviously, Jamar Chase, if he's there, that's going to be a tough decision. But uh, for, for me personally, and I've given this a, a lot of thought and I've talked to a lot of people. You know, I've, I've, I've looked at a lot of mock drafts, you know, at, at the number six spot over the past week. And uh, I think the guy that I would lead to is Kyle Pitts because I think he's he's probably the most special player out of that bunch. Well, don't we just need to stop calling him a tight end? He's not going to line up at like uh, on the, you know, on the line of scrimmage that often, I don't think. Yeah, that's another, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I think that's another underrated part of his game, that it's not fair just to classify him as a tight end. Uh, that's what some people are trying to do. But I'm, I'm completely with you. I, I think that when you're looking at a guy like Kyle Pitts, you classify him as an elite pass catcher, not just as an elite tight end. You can, num- you can line him up in a number of different spots on the field. He's such a freak athletically that you, know, you can line him out wide. You can line him up in the slot. Uh, just utilize him, get him on the field as much as possible. If the Dolphins with their second first-round pick, and it's a nice luxury to have a, uh, a second first-round pick here, I love what they've done and kind of stockpiling a little bit. Uh, if they have their choice of the top two running backs, do they go that route in the first round? Um, it's a tough one because they have a pretty big need at edge rusher. So, I mean, to me, like the uh, the second of the first round picks, which is 18th overall, is a little bit harder to predict what they're thinking there. Um, you know, they're, uh, I, I'm count me in of the group that would like to see them get one of the running backs. And, and Najee Harris is the guy that I prefer. Uh, if he's on the board at number 18, I would jump at that opportunity because that, that, that's a really, really big need for them. Uh, you know, the running back, was, the running back position was, uh, was virtually non-existent, uh, you know, and part of that is on the offensive line that I think is continuing. It's going to continue to get better, but I, I think the running back is a glaring need for them. And, and I think Najee Harris is very special. I like EDN as well. So that's probably the direction I would go in. Uh, they also do have a needed edge rusher, and you know there's you know, there's there's even been a little bit of uh, of chatter about you know keeping one of the University of Miami guys home. Uh, I've seen there's uh, there there are some rumors uh, that the Dolphins uh, they that they like J, uh, Jalen Phillips, who just had a really good pro day this week uh, with Miami, and and that he might uh, he might fit their system pretty well. So that's certainly a guy that I would watch, but um, I, they've got to consider running back, and and that would be my choice there. I like Najee Harris. Uh, since you're there in the area, we'll, we'll follow up on Phillips. Uh, is there yellow medical flags or is there red medical flags on him? Orange, <laughs> I, I think, would probably be would, – it's somewhere between those two. Um, you know, I, I, he, can, concussion issues with, with him, and, and yeah, I, it, he's going to have to answer a lot of questions, no doubt. Um, you know, I, I think it, it really it, – it dramatically helped his cause that he had such a dramatically good year at Miami this past season – but, yeah, there are definitely some issues there, and you would have to trust that whoever drafts him, and I think he's going to end up being a first-round pick unless some real red flags come up with the medicals, but every team is going to have to do their due diligence on that one. So all of, all of this conversation assumes that Tua is the quarterback of the future for the Dolphins, and clearly it's, he'll be the quarterback next year, but how concerned are they with his rookie season? You know, I, I think that they're a lot less concerned – than a lot of the fans and media are. Um, I, I, the, the way that they look at it, and, and obviously there, there were a couple of games with Tua last year that uh, were very frustrating. Um, you know, he, he got benched in a, 
in a game against the Denver Broncos where he just really wasn't seeing the field that day, was making some poor decisions on his throws. And then the same thing happened against uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. He got benched in that game, and, and you know uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick came in and saved the day. So there, there, were, there were a couple of, uh, of head-scratching performances. I also think that there were more good performances than people give him credit for. Uh, I thought he was really excellent in a, in a shootout loss against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I thought he was, he was superb in a comeback victory against, uh, against Arizona last year. So you, there, there was definitely some good with the bad. Uh, from what I understand, you know, the Dolphins brass kind of look at last year as, uh, as a bit of a learning experience for him. Um, you know, something people forget about was, you know, he was coming off of rehab for hip surgery that he had at the end of his career in Alabama. So he wasn't really able to do anything physical during the offseason, wasn't really 100% until, I'm going to say, the first third of training camp. He was finally, you know, really cleared to go in full. So he had really less time to kind of mentally and physically prepare than even some of the other rookies did. Uh, and there were, you know, a few things he struggled with in his decision-making. Uh, physically, I, I think that, um, to me, they're going to look at this year as really more of the audition than last year. I think last year they can kind of write off, you know, some of his mistakes as rookie speed bumps. I think this year is really the season where uh, he's put on some weight and put on some muscle. Um, you know, he's had more time to really, to really mesh with some of his receivers. I think another receiver, though, is going to come in the draft for him. And, you know, he can actually focus on the playbook and on going through his reps, where this time last year he was just focusing on rehabbing from a hip injury. So I think that the Dolphins' front office is actually higher on him than most of the people from the outside are. Now, another conversation we can have is how, how, how um, high they really were on Deshaun Watson before all the legal issues came up, because obviously they're not trading for him now, and I don't think anybody in the league is touching him at this point. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that they, they would have maybe gotten themselves in that sweepstakes if Houston had been open to trading him and these lawsuits hadn't come up. Uh, but I, as far as drafting a quarterback, I don't think that's ever something that they were considering. I, I think that they were always going to be full steam ahead with Tua. I'll just, I'll just follow up with this uh, and great, great stuff on the Dolphins uh, from Alex Dono here. Um, I talked to his high school quarterback coach, uh, who's been responsible for a ton of quarterbacks that have come through uh, Hawaii. And he he said, Tua is not a training wheels guy. They had training wheels on him. Once they come off, he'll be fine. I thought that was a little bit, you know, of a stretch, but that was his take on him. Um, I can see a little bit of that. Um, and, you know, p- part of that I think is going to look different because they've made a change at offense coordinator. Uh, Chan Gailey was the OC last year. And, you know, if, it was noticeable that they had a much different, um, a much different approach to play calling when Ryan Fitzpatrick played, where you know Gailey was willing to be aggressive downfield, and when Tua played, it was eighty percent pound the rock, and and you know third down would come up, and yeah, we've got to throw our way out of it if it's third and long. So there, there could actually be something to that. I mean, obviously that that's only one step. The second step would be. How is he really going to do when the training wheels come off? But, yeah, I think there were some training wheels last year. I think that the Dolphins really, in the games that Tua started, the philosophy was let's be very conservative on offense and, and trust our defense and our, and our kicking game because uh, Jason Sanders was out of his mind uh, on field goals last year. We're going to trust our defense and our kicking game to win close games. And so, yeah, uh, they, they've got actually co-offensive coordinators this year, which is a little bit strange. Uh, we'll see how it works. They, they promoted – 
uh, from within the tight ends coach George Godsey and the running game coordinator Eric Studisville. And one of the two of them is going to be calling the plays. We're not even sure who's going to be calling the plays yet. But, yeah, I, I think that taking the training wheels off might be an important factor. Alex Dono, Onside Radio. Uh, we got to close on real-life stuff. I know it was getting kind of freaky in the Miami area, especially uh, near the beach. Uh, has it settled down? What's going on there with, with COVID and people coming down and acting a fool? Yeah, it's wild. Uh, it, it seems like it's settling down. Uh, I, I have not set foot on Miami Beach since before the pandemic started, but I do, uh, when I'm driving on a, a certain, a certain uh, highway every day that would lead to Miami Beach if I stayed on this highway, I've noticed the last week or so there's a digital sign that says Miami Beach curfew. 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. Wow. So it, it seems like they're they're cracking down and that they're not allowing any shenanigans out there at this point because yeah, uh, up until about a week and a half ago, it, it was crazy. You know, it was I think it was a combination of spring breakers and and some locals that just had cabin fever and were and we're just going nuts out there. And, and yeah, man, we, we don't want that. I mean, F- Florida has a bad enough reputation as it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, with some of the with some of the very lax COVID policies down here. And, you know, we're, we're trying to avoid, you know, another another big spike in cases. So ho- hopefully we can cut down on that stuff because it's it's tough to see the videos and the headlines about it every day, man. I, I just I just want us to get through this. Stay safe, man. We appreciate it. Thank you. You guys, too. Stay safe. Alex Dono, we're safer here. Now, yeah. that could flip in, like, four days. You know, I, I, who knows? You, you get mad throngs coming to town and acting like jackasses. Weekends are a little bit out of control. Uh, it ramped up pretty quickly yeah. here. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I think I, I feel like inside the casinos. Were you at any casinos where you were like, "Oh God," or was uh, it mostly outside? No, I was. I was downtown, like you know, basically for the better part of two days, and and I, I thought it was fine inside. Um, outside, people get a little loose; they start pulling down the mask. Yeah, outside downtown has been a little bit, a little bit crazy. I, I met some family down there, and I was like, okay. All right. My God. Um, did you see the Boomer song on SNL? I did. That is one of the funniest things ever. The lyrics are awesome, and it's just basically like about 57 to 75-year-olds. You know who you are. Who are just it, like gloating about the fact that you know they've got fully funded retirements. Like none of us have that. We're younger. Not none of us. A lot of us don't, right? The days of having a pension, like, ah, right? And then, uh, you know, a lot of COVID hoaxers and anti-maskers, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're first in line for the vaccine. <laughs> yeah. All right, great. <laughs> yeah, we can let's, say what we want, but when it's time, we get it. Let's not start a freaking millennials, Gen X, boomers battle. I think we should. Which we, we used to do all the time with JVT, who uh, is an infuriated freaking millennial all the time because he has to hear from boomers about how horrible the kids are these days. And that song, go, go check it out. Maybe we'll play it. we got to clean it up, though. It gets oh, a little filthy. It was on NBC. We can play it. I feel like I watched it. And I watched it on an edited version because there were oh, a couple okay. F-bombs in it. Oh, nice. Which made it better. Way better. It was, it was funny. It I, got, like it. It got, I, I started thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Yes. Freaking boomers. It's, it's very true. And uh, well acted. I thought it was good. The video was good. Oh, it's freaking great. Great. We love Tony Miller. He's a boomer. We might have to run by him. He's one of the good boomers. He's coming up in about 12 minutes on what's going on downtown with the gambling scene. Golden Knights games and 77-cent Bud Light bottles. Silver 7's Hotel and Casino has you hooked up.
for Dustin DeHart's Club 99. Back to Steve Cofield. Tom Brady, April Fool's joke, 98. That was funny. Was it? It got me. No, it didn't. Because it made sense. It made all the sense in the world. Did it? Yes. To who? What did, to me. Wishful thinking. You know, I want to... I want baseball to uh, get back to where they belong. What was the joke? Tell the audience. You got me during the break. Tom Brady said, with opening day today, I'm excited to announce we're bringing the Expos back to Major League Baseball in 2022. Excited to be... uh, Excited twice. Excited to be the first player, coach, and owner in MLB history. Oh, the player part. Come on. (laughs) Oh, Tom. You're so incorrigible. Tommy. It's just, it's, I almost swore. It's freaking (laughs) freaking ridiculous. Almost. Please stop. None of these are funny. I mean, it makes sense. He is so rich, he and Giselle. They could easily buy a baseball, or at least be the majority owner of a baseball team. Be the player, coach, owner? Well, the player, coach part is stupid. If If he had stuck with, and 2022 was dumb. Like, give it three years. Can we not put excited twice? Come on. What do you think he's doing during the offseason? Crafting clever April Fool's jokes. Probably as drunk as he was on the the freaking boat parade. That that would explain it then. Right? You know what? How about that? How about about send out out a tweet today? You know what? After the the parade, I've decided to enter rehab. Oh, that would have been good. That would have been good. That's funny. But then now, but then people would have got on him. Uh, you're making of light of alcoholism. They, of course they would. But it's fun. that is funny. Yeah, that would have been great. I mean, frankly, don't you think folks in Montreal are super pissed off? They'll probably have to apologize. <laughs> yeah. Got them all excited for a couple minutes. And they're like, baseball's back. I thought you were bringing nope. the team back. It was a joke. We're Make, just using you as the butt of the joke. Making fun of Canadians. Yep. That's another reason why April Fool's jokes aren't good. Everybody's scared of actually being funny. <laughs> right. You're going to offend somebody. This is ridiculous. Just stop. Is a documentary exploring who killed Michael Jordan's dad offensive? Maybe to Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, the premise of my question is ridiculous because I don't even know what channel it is. I just know it's on 24 hours a day. Uh, the Whatever the murder channel is that the SO watches, the significant other, it's, it's on all the time. And now they're, they're like, they don't even pretend to like care that there were victims. They come up with, you know, Mommy murders. Like that's like that's the name of the show. Like it's just funny. Like what? what like these are real people who died. It is. So it is. yeah, I mean, I I want to know, don't you? Yeah, I, I mean, I hope it looks a lot into the gambling debts and thinks that you know. Well, I mean, that's the, that possibility. If that if that happens, I mean, imagine you know David Stern. I won't use rolling over in his grave like I usually use with people who are alive because he actually passed, but. What How many people have told us, like, that is outrageous. It's not even a possibility. What are you, crazy with the gambling thing? What if the documentary is, is like, 20 seconds long, and it's, like, it's just to Michael Jordan lost a lot of money, and some gambler has killed his dad. Yeah. And then it's over. Or it could be, hey, there's just two scumbags who, you know, he was the wrong guy at the wrong place. Completely possible. I mean, I think there, there might be a lot of people because of, you know, Jordan's heroic status who are like, hey, this is unseemly, just... Let it lie. I mean, they're but, not, that, but it is a hell of a topic. Of and if there's something there, it, it's a great documentary topic. It's an unsolved murder of yeah. a very famous person's dad who got a ton of headlines because it 
essentially triggered him to retire from the sport. What are you more hungry for to find out who killed poor MJ's dad? Or, come on, what's the other option? We got to find out if she did it. Baskin. She did. Allegedly. The Tiger King lady? Of course. She fed her ex-husband to the tigers, allegedly. My opinion. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> What's happening here? I'm just I'm covering our legal tracks. Oh, okay. I don't want her to feed me to a tiger. Probably wouldn't be the first time she did it, allegedly. Well, she didn't. I mean, that, if she did it that one time, that's not her, that's not her main method of taking people down. It's basically lawsuit after lawsuit. She is very litigious. I think that's her new husband. Oh, okay. He just he, he goes on the attack and files lawsuits for her so she doesn't feed him to a tiger. Yeah, I'm in. Do we know when this is coming out, this documentary? No. no. Just an idea? It's Yeah, it's, it's in the works. All right. I highly recommend. Do you, maybe, actually, you, I think you told me to watch it. What? Was it Baby God? No, it's not me. Oh, that's not you. No. What is that? I forgot. I, I don't talk to you anymore much. You're very busy. <laughs> oh, baby God. What is baby God? Oh, boy. Ari, anything? Well, you don't have, uh, I think it's on, was it HBO Max? Yeah, it's HBO. I think like seven straight nights I've started to click on that the Q documentary that's on HBO Max, and I haven't watched it yet, though. Uh, baby God was a fertility doctor who landed in Vegas, but he had started out in the... Uh, the smaller towns of Nevada, and I'll just leave it at he may have been using his own sample, and he might have, like, 500 kids. Awesome. And I'm not making up the 500. Why wouldn't you? It is. What do you mean, why wouldn't you? Stop. I mean, and after, after watching it, I was like, I don't know, you know, these fertility doctors, and they were so little known in the 40s, 50s, 60s, like into the 70s, that there might have been, like, 10... Ten plus doctors around the country doing this. It's it's pretty sick. I don't see the problem. How would you like to find out that? Uh, and it, I'm not, you know, I'm not making fun of your mom. Like your mom was having trouble, and you know, baby God threw himself in, and you're not actually the son of your your, your supposed I'll take, I'll, dad. I'll take my chances. That it was a better situation. <laughs> that it was a better yeah. situation. Uh, but did, was he representing that the? that the donors were somebody else because i'd feel like if no, you don't say he didn't tell them right they, they, yeah well, well dads couples would have trouble i don't want to ruin the whole thing couples would have trouble getting pregnant the 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 husband would give a sample and okay. then he'd just be like that's different you know, okay that's and different put his own stuff in it's like what, what are you doing i thought it was just kind of unethical of, very like much. highly I, I misunderstood i thought it was just women that were having trouble and they'd go and they'd say they need a donor be like, I, I have if, one for you. If you're gonna watch this, turn off. Just turn the knob down for a second. What if I also? <laughs> I'm gonna watch it. What if I also? I can't told, turn the knob. What if I also told you? And we're gonna go out on this. What if I also told you? Uh, there were. There were women who went to him, who. Didn't have sex, but turned up pregnant within a year. Club 99 is presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Want to talk interest rates and ask about getting your mortgage tuned up? Dustin is Cofield's real estate guy. He needs to be yours, too. Call Dustin DeHart at 577-2600. 
Sports, Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting. Final four right around the corner. Got a ton of college basketball to get into, Major League Baseball as well. We go downtown, we check in with our guy, Golden Nugget. It's Tony Miller. What's up, Big Tone? Steve, how you doing, my friend? We're good. Uh, we might be a bit surly. We were just talking about you boomers. You're a baby boomer, right? I am. Yeah, SNL was cracking on you guys hard. <laughs> not, all, not all of you. I, you're a good boomer, but there's a lot of bad boomers. You're a good boomer. Thanks, <laughs> you, Do you have you, – uh, you tend to skew younger in terms of your friends. Do you have a lot of friends your age? Do, um, do you like them? I, I, you're right. It's funny because you're yeah. right. All the people I hang out with are a lot younger than me, but I guess that's, you know – yeah, it's just a number to me. I still feel like I'm in my 30s or 40s, buddy. Isn't that weird? It is. I know. I, I don't feel, I'm 51. I don't feel like I'm 51 at all. You don't look 51, bud. Well, I was going to come back with a joke. I look it. Believe me. I, <laughs> somehow, somehow I jumped from looking like uh, you know my early 40s. Like, yeah, you look pretty young. And now I'm like, oh, my God, I look older. What has happened? I don't know how you preserve yourself, Tony. You got the, the, the freaking golden hair. There's no bald, balding at all. What the hell's going on? I don't know, buddy. Just, just a lot of beers, I guess, at night. Just keeps yep. me healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you, you beat COVID, and you just throw down some shots and just kill it. Now, by the way, that was a joke. That's not how you do it. <laughs> Tony had to fight it hard. So. It was a tough battle, man. Yeah, it I was, came it on was, top. It was a freaking tough battle. All right. Uh, I know you're not involved in this, but we like to lean on you for general gambling news takes. Uh, you know the scene with Vsin and, and Derek and the Gons, and, you know, DraftKings is outside of the state right now. Pretty interesting, right, that there, we've got a partnership here where uh, you got a content provider with a sports book. Hey, man, big boys are spreading their wings. DraftKings is uh, coming on strong. In fact, they're involved with us in, in Biloxi and Atlantic City right now, so I have dealings with them. And, uh, you know, they're spreading their wings, man. They're getting all over the place. I wanted to talk about New Jersey for a second. How has it worked out for you guys so far in New Jersey? Now, you just mentioned, you know, you're working with DraftKings. DraftKings and FanDuel are really interesting. They have a, they have a different approach than some of the traditional companies have had, and they're all about uh, player acquisition. Um, Superbook's going to go into New Jersey pretty soon. I don't know if they're going to be as aggressive on that front. They may try to play the numbers game, you know, the, the line value game. How do you think this is all going to work out down the road? Is it going to be more about line value, or is it going to just be this constant effort to spend lots of money to get the player? Well, I can see, you know, I can tell you right now, they are spending lots of money to get the player. They have some good offerings, and, you know, they're a good company, man, and they're a good company to deal with. So uh, they're going strong. You know, and yeah. they, they got some good, juicy bets. If you ever look at their site and look at the things they offer, there's some good stuff they offer, so uh, they're doing well. I wonder if there's ever a point, you know, if you're averaging like 500 bucks a piece to get a player, that you get the player, they've got loyalty, and then, but then they get more nuanced, and they start looking, and they're like, wait a second. Why, is, why am I spending 12 cents extra? Or is that too, is that too deep for the, the casual? I'm not ripping them, but, like, do you think they'll ever realize, like, hey, maybe I'm not getting the line value I'm supposed to get here? Uh, could be. Could come back and bite them. You know, you, you know, there's a lot of smart people out there, and, uh, you know, they shop and they shop around. They look for value. You're right, Steve. And, uh, you know, you got to be careful with some of these guys when they play. Yeah. How about, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how about, like, you No got, Jeopardy champs. Get them out. Yeah. <laughs> you guys here uh, who have been, you know, you have your business model, and you've been doing this for a long time, and you understand the game, and you've got some of these other people that come in. When they do some, some of the really exotic things, if they come in and they're throwing – you know, player props on every player, and they're throwing all these different things out there. 
do you just kind of sit back and say, hey, go ahead, this isn't going to work for you, or does it put pressure on you guys to kind of evolve? You know what, though, Adam, being a freestanding book like I am and, and upstairs lets me do a lot of things that, you know, they just say if you want to book something, you feel it's going to help us out, go ahead and do it. So I can do it also. You know, I'm trying to be careful. i got to get game and approval on a lot of things. But, uh, yeah, I am being a freestanding book, I can go right along with them and put some things up that they don't have. In fact, I'm working on some things right now that no one else has. And uh, oh, that's, that's the advantage go. of being a book, a freestanding alone book. Let's do it. Tony Miller's with us. Yeah, I like it. Golden Nugget. Um, how were the last couple of weeks for you? I was downtown, and it, it seemed pretty bustling. And I also saw that uh, Tillman Fertitta said, hey, you know what, March, pretty good. A little bigger than we thought, both for the restaurants and for his uh, his gaming properties. Uh, you guys doing well? Yeah, buddy. It, it's turned really fast, and uh, the last two weeks have been very, very strong. And it's not going to slow down, I don't believe. Now that baseball started, and that's the first sport in a year to go with a full schedule and start on time and plan their season out long. Uh, you got the Masters coming in next week, and uh, you know it's going to be a. I think we're back, and it's coming back slowly but surely. My handle's going up on all events, and um, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, it's going to turn. Now that we're at opening day, and a lot of the uh, the preseason baseball stuff is gone. Uh, how'd you guys do on that handle-wise, and, and what did opening day handle look like? Opening day was great. You know, the, the fans were ready for baseball. I could tell by the preseason games, you know, the exhibition games, how they were betting those that, you know, I was getting limit plays every day on exhibition games. So I knew once the regular season got here, they hit it hard, and they have. We've got a great handle today, and, and they're ready for it. Adam, what happened with the Cody Bellinger home run today? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if Tony saw this. Yeah, uh, tell him. I don't know if you saw Yeah, I don't know if you saw it, Tony, but uh, – uh, I know a certain sportsbook, William Hill, where we are uh, today over at Silver Sevens, they had the prop, will Cody Bellinger hit a home run today? <laughs> plus <laughs> plus $3 on the yes. Oh, no. And you are giggling like you saw it. Uh, for those that didn't see it, he did hit one over the fence, but Justin Turner on the bases thought it was caught. He retreated to first base. Bellinger passed him. No home run. Yeah. That is about that is oh, about crap. as bad a beat as you will ever find. That's a tough one. That's a bad <laughs> beat right off the bat. And I I didn't see it live, but I did see the replay on ESPN. And man, what, that, that's a tough one to take. Let's get to the tournament, the NCAA tournament. Tony, I cannot believe that Baylor and Gonzaga have made it here. Not everyone got knocked off. I mean, I, I shouldn't say I'm shocked, but I really thought that field against both of those teams to win the national title, the field was the right play. You know, Steve, you know, these two teams have been one, two all season long, and it doesn't surprise me really. You know, they're, they're, they're you know, Zaga going undefeated. I mean, it doesn't happen. It's very rare. And Baylor's right behind them. So I, I kind of, I had my odds low on them all year. And so I'm looking good on the futures with them two teams because, you know, they weren't worth betting with me here. So uh, I'm looking good. The only team I lose on in the Final Four is Houston right now. Okay. I would think for most books that. These games on Saturday are a bit perilous because I, I could see casuals. I could see sharps. I could see a lot of us going, you know what, I, I'm playing the favorites. Oh, yeah, for sure. They're, 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 they've been playing Zaga. They've been playing Baylor all along, you know, the two number ones. And uh, But UCLA now is now, you know, the, the team with the higher odds, and we'll get some play on them and see if they can pull an upset. UCLA is going to get a lot of play this weekend. You're a boomer. You've been watching college basketball a long time. You got a rooting interest in this one, aside from the book? You're rooting for a particular program to win the championship? Actually, I'm sticking with the company, man. I'm going for the Cougars to win it all. I like to see them win it. I like to see it happen for the city of Houston and my boss, Tillman, and uh, I like to see someone new win it. I hope they go. National title game, if it's Gonzaga, Baylor, uh, 
Gonzaga five over Baylor, and Gonzaga will will they be double digits against Houston? I don't think it'll reach double digits. That's hard. That's a tough number, man. But you're real solid around the five. But I think it'd be less than ten if they play Houston. Um, also, you know, you're you're a viewer of college basketball. I guess we're not surprised that Roy Williams walked away, but I I find the North Carolina situation always really interesting because they try to stay in house, and there are so many good coaches to go after. I was looking at a faraway place odds board, and they've got the two favorites as Hubert Davis and and Wes Miller. Uh, to me, they, they they should make a run at Mark Few. He's ten to one. Jay Wright, maybe you know, maybe Jay Wright will listen. He's like fourteen to one. Man, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to stay in house. That would be to see Mark Few leave Gonzaga. He's got, yep. you know, I mean, that's the Alabama basketball right there. I can't see him giving up that job. He does so well there. But you know, maybe Chris Beard will leave Texas and head there. I know. I said that's what I said earlier today. I'm like, he's he changed his mind in uh, ten days. Here, <laughs> give him ten hours. He might look at Texas and go, all right, stepping you know stones, man. Yeah, stepping, I, I, stepping stone. I can make fourteen million a year. That's my dream job. I I, I always talked about North Carolina. Uh, we got to close on this. You guys are already thinking about contesting for the football season, right? Yeah, but in fact, I sent out on Twitter today, we're, we're getting ready to open up our ultimate football challenge. It's the only contest in town where you can pick either college or pro games every week, and uh, we're putting everything together right now, revising some rules, but uh, basically the same thing, and we're going to open up sign-ups next month. All right, Tony. We appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Steve. See you, right. There he is, Golden Nugget Sportsbook, Tony Miller. We come back with the 5 o'clock hour. We're going to check in on a lot of college basketball. We'll check in with Curtis Terry to talk bunch of college basketball, including the first addition to the UNLV roster after a rough couple of weeks with the transfer portal. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.